everyone, and welcome to Minute 78 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast, where we take a wild trip to the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Plain Strange and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today on this lovely Wednesday in the middle of June is Todd Libinow of the Forgotten Filmcast. Welcome to the show, Todd. Hello, great to be here. Yeah, this is the first time I'm actually having a guest join in the middle of the week, but that, that's a lot of fun. Hey, yeah, we, we got some, we got some great good. stuff to talk about. So. We do, indeed. Yes, we do. So yesterday's episode ended with uh, Neil and Dell basically running away from or driving away from this uh, the El Rancho Motel and getting on the highway. And then they start hearing some sirens behind them. So today's episode, episode 78, begins with Dell and Neil continuing to drive along and ends with a trooper beginning to rattle off different problems. So basically, the two of them are driving along in their dilapidated, burnt-out car. <laughs> and surprisingly, they're still getting pretty good mileage on it. <laughs> they're, they're going pretty <laughs> fast. We'll, we'll find out how fast they're going a little later in this minute. But uh, the way that it starts off is that they're driving. They both look like they're freezing because it's so cold for them. Obviously, as we've mentioned numerous times in real life on Thanksgiving Day, 1987, so that was uh, November 26th, there was absolutely no snow, not in any of the places mentioned <laughs> in this movie. Not in New York, not in Wichita, not in St. Louis, not in Chicago, or not in anywhere else in the Midwest. So My, they I, got that I was in the I was in the Midwest at that time. I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, and I... I would not have remembered that it was not that way on that particular date. Right, uh, me neither. I, I certainly, I certainly feel the cold though watching this scene because you know just the, <laughs> I, I, like I say, I grew up there, so the, the 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 barren trees and the and the snow all along the highway there certainly brought back memories of many cold days walking to school uphill both ways in the snow you know that type of thing yeah i have the same thing i mean come on i grew up in detroit not far from where you grew up in chicago so we both know what it's like to be freezing at this time of year probably a little bit later you know there i guess there are some years where november 26th there's snow and some years there isn't it's all i guess look at the draw yeah and john hughes yeah. uh, in in this particular case uh, missed it <laughs> <laughs> he, he got some other predictions really well, but this this is one of the ones that he missed. But that's fine. It's still fun to look because, as you said, most people will not know that there really was no snow on that day or any of those three days that we've that we've been dealing with, uh, you know, Dale and Neil here. But regardless, when you look back at it, you can believe that it is really that cold and at this time of year. Yeah, you know, no, I mean, it's it completely made up. It gets bitterly cold there sometimes i mean i just i i've lived in colorado now for 28 years and yes we get cold here but i don't know the cold in chicago just feels a lot more bone chilling <laughs> than it does here we get sunshine <laughs> in the winter time in colorado that doesn't happen much in chicago in the winter time well yeah that's true i i again i remember those those cold detroit uh winters <laughs> And, you know, hearing about the cold winters in Chicago, Denver, you know, everyone just likes to go ski. I don't think really <laughs> in Denver, they want the snow. <laughs> I don't ski, Chicago. but right. you know, 
<laughs> in in Denver, I mean, people... I've, I've always I've always said I grew up in where the land is flat. So you're not getting me up on those mountains with a couple of pieces of wood strapped to my legs. That just sounds <laughs> ridiculous. So I'm not doing that. Yeah, but you know, but that was the whole thing. I mean, people in in Denver like the snow, but people in Chicago and Detroit and other places in the Midwest hate the snow. You know, we 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 don't want it. <laughs> a little well, bit. You want a little on... bit to to, to yeah. have school closings. That's what you want. Right, right. Yeah. And see, they don't even do that anymore now because every, you know, they can do remote learning when they have to now. So, you know, you don't even get the school closures like uh, used to be a thing. That darn COVID. <laughs> <laughs> it's ruined. It's ruined everything. <laughs> so basically, they're, they're, they're driving along. First of all, the, the windshield wipers are, are going on the car, which is pretty funny because I don't think there is any window, but the windshield <laughs> wipers are still going. And... Neil then hears behind him the sound of the siren, which we heard briefly at the end of, of yesterday's minute also. And then Neil says to Dell, great, great, a cop, watch it. So what does he tell him to watch out for? <laughs> the cop has his siren on. He's pulling him over. You know, it's not like. Yeah. You know, it's like too late. Yeah, it's a little too late. And then the two of them begin a little bit of a conversation. And Neil says, how fast are you going? And Dell goes, I can't tell. The speedometer is melted. <laughs> and he goes, pull over. <laughs> and and then we, we get the, the shot changes because the we see the car moving and Dell is getting ready to, to, to stop. And then we get a shot of the cop walking towards the car. He's he's on the the car's on the side of the, the highway, the road, wherever they are. And at this point, the two of them have this very nice look on their face, you know, like, uh, and the first thing that, that Dells goes is, top of the morning to your officer. <laughs> and then Neil says, hi. And then Dell goes, is there something I can help you with? <laughs> so, I mean, it's great. First of all, you can see that, that, that the, this police officer is a state trooper. And you can also see that he has star- sergeant stripes on his on the side of his uh on the side of his uniform now do you know where you would rank a sergeant in if you're talking about you know in the in the police force how that works i do not i always struggle with those kinds of rankings and things i mean my only context for the order of different ranks is like from mash you know okay. <laughs> like okay private corporal captain etc cetera, etc cetera. okay well uh, some yeah, of them so are don't similar. Know quite where a sergeant falls right so some of them are similar i mean well the sergeant falls in the same place that it falls in mash in the military i mean the the u.s the u.s police rank model is basically a quasi-military structure has a quasi-military structure okay so i mean we'll go from from bottom to top because that's where they they mostly you know, coincide. So first of all, you have a, an officer, which is either a deputy trooper, corporal, something like that. And then above that, you have a detective inspector or investigator, which some of them are in place, plain clothes. Sometimes they're in uniform. And then above that, you have a sergeant. So sergeant to signify what a sergeant is. He has a three chevrons, which is just like in the army. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a sergeant is a police officer who supervises an entire watch shift in smaller departments and areas of a precinct and individual detective squads in larger departments. Some agencies such as the New Jersey State Police use a paramilitaristic range of sergeant ranks such as staff sergeant, sergeant first class, you know, in addition to the, the regular basic sergeant rank. 
And then you can start moving your way up. You get lieutenant and then captain and then major. And then actually there's a colonel. And then above colonel is inspector or commander. Above that, you have the deputy chief of police, assistant chief of police, and the chief of police, who is also known as the commissioner sometimes, or the superintendent, or sometimes also the sheriff. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a similar it's similar to the the structure in the army, but uh, it it works well. So we we have this 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 uh, sergeant walk up to the car, and then we get to see his face. I'm assuming you recognize him. Did you recognize oh, him? absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I remember seeing this in the theater the first time and going, hey, it's Lenny. That's uh, right. Because where I always <laughs> think of Michael McKeon is, uh, you know, he was Lenny on Laverne and Shirley as in Lenny, Lenny Karnofsky. Squiggy. Yeah. Which, I mean, Lenny and Squiggy were were my favorite part of that show. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, we watched Laverne and Shirley religiously. That was That was part of the... The Tuesday night schedule on ABC back there in the 70s. It was Happy Days and then Laverne and Shirley. And then I think Three's Company came after it. And then I want to say it might have been Taxi for a while after that. So No, it wasn't Taxi a number on of NBC? classic shows. That I, thought, well, I thought Taxi was NBC. It was ABC? Taxi, Taxi started on ABC. And then I think the last season or maybe two seasons of Taxi, it moved to NBC. Okay. Because ta- be. Taxi was never that. big as big of a hit. You know, it... it it had critical, you know, love, but it, it didn't get quite the ratings that Happy Days or Laverne and Shirley did. Right, which I, I don't really understand why. Looking at it from this, from looking at it from 2022, you know, the, it's the it was the best show out of any of them that we just named. So that's yeah. my point, you know. But you know, nothing you can do about that. So yes, Michael McKean is the actor who plays it. So first of all, it's very interesting to see that he is the fourth actor build. In this movie, even though he has, <laughs> we're going to talk about him today, and then he's in half of tomorrow's minute, and that's it. You know, he has a minute yeah. and a half of screen time at most, and he still gets fourth billing, which, which is pretty good. It, it says something about that. Now, part of the reason, and we'll talk about this a little, uh, both later today and uh, in more detail even tomorrow, his original scene was much larger. His original part in the movie. Okay, do do you know how long the uh, the first cut of the movie was? No, I don't. Okay, it was three hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> okay. Would have been two VHS tapes back in the day. It might have even been three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it would have been two. But, uh, yeah, that's it's pretty crazy. So Michael McKean was born on the 17th of October, 1947. He has, up until today, 146 TV credits, including 149 episodes as Lenny Karnofsky on Laverne and Shirley. He also has 74 movie credits, which is also pretty amazing. The most popular are uh, obviously This is Final Tap. Classic. And Fantastic. Clue. And he was that's also... Right. Oh, yeah. He's Mr. Green. That's and right. Clue. He's Mr. Yeah. Green and Clue. And, and, and This is Final Tap. He's uh, David St. Saint, Hubbings. Saint that's his name, David St. Hubbings. And he was also on the TV show Better Call Sally. He's on 32 episodes of that. And did you know that he was nominated for an Oscar? Nominated for an Oscar. Not okay. in the acting category, though. And I'm trying to think because I don't think I don't think that any of the songs from Spinal Tap would have been nominated. No. Because he would have written those. Is it a 
is it a screenplay uh, nope. for one it's... of the other Christopher Guest films? Because he's in a bunch of those. Nope, it's actually no. a song. He's he's now he was nominated for writing oh. the best original song. For, is is it um, from a Mighty Wind? Yes, it is. Very good. Ah, yes. See. And that's and see that's one of the things that's great about a mighty wind, okay? Because, I've never seen the movie, so don't ruin it for me. I, oh, I will see oh, it. No, I'm not going to ruin any of the movie, but um, but the uh, you know it's like Spinal Tap in that it's you know Christopher Guest and his crew of people and they're improvising a lot of the the script, even though um, you know Spinal Tap was directed by Rob Reiner, but still it's kind of the same core people. But um, but in uh, a mighty wind. He's a part of a group that's called the Folksmen. Okay. And the Folksmen are comprised of the three actors who play the three main uh, members of Spinal Tap. Makes sense. Christopher, Christopher <laughs> Guest, Harry Shearer, and Michael McKeon. Yes. And I, I remember reading once that back when they first started the Spinal Tap thing and they were like, go out and do shows as Spinal Tap. They would have as the opening act themselves as the the folksmen. So oh, they would wow. go out and, and be this folk music act and they would get booed off the stage and then they'd come out a few minutes later and play as this heavy metal band Spinal Tap. Wow. That's very cool. So he, he was nominated along with do you know who sang the song with him? Well Annette O'Toole. Which... Annette O'Toole, sorry. Oh, okay. It's okay. for the song "A Kiss at the End of the Rainbow," which is actually the song that um, it's not sung by Michael McKean in the movie. It's sung by Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara. Um, but he must but, have written it, right? Right. Now, do you, do you know what movie actually won actually everything that year <laughs> in two thousand three? Is <laughs> That's not Titanic year. No, uh, Titanic was 98. Yeah. 97, I sorry, I, 97. Oh, wait, what year again? 2000... 2003. Think think back like an hour. I was going to say, that's <laughs> Return of the King. Because <laughs> I just came off of a of recording a podcast where we were talking about the Lord of the Rings that's trilogy. That's right, and I knew that. Literally less why... than an hour ago, yeah. That's right, and, that's, <laughs> and that is why I'm bringing, I brought that up. <laughs> yeah, that year there were, the five nominees were, uh, you had... Two songs from the movie Cold Mountain, one by Sting, called You Will Be You Will Be My Ain True Love. And another one, Cold Mountain, sung by T-Bone Burnett and Elvis Costello, Scarlet Tide. And then a song from the triplets of Bellevue called Bellevue Rendezvous. Then you have A Mighty Wind, and then you had Into the West from sung by Annie Lennox from The Return of the King, which won everything. I'm going to have to see A Mighty Wind just to see, you know, what I th what what I think of it, since I am a fan of This Is Final Tap, so... You should see A Mighty but Wind. But I might, I, boo, I, I might boo, boo them off the stage at the beginning. You never know. Uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy all those uh, Christopher Guest ones, you know, like uh, have you seen Best in Show as yes. well? Yes, I thought that was very funny. I think they did a great yeah. job with that. I, I actually know the guy that designed the ventriloquist dummies that appear in Best in Show, so... <laughs> Yeah. So at this point, the sergeant, played by Michael McKean, says, uh, what the hell are you driving here? And Tub goes, well, we had a small fire last night, but we caught it in the nick of time. And then he says to him, 
do you know how fast you've been going? And then Dell starts chuckling again and goes, funnily enough, I was just talking to my friend about that. Our speedometer's melted. And as a result, it's very hard to say with any degree of accuracy exactly how fast we were going. And then the response is 78 miles an hour. And then Dell whistles. Not, not that fast. No. <laughs> Dell whistles. 78, huh? Well, yeah, I can buy that. Sure, I guess. You know, you well, know better than us, especially since we've got a melted speedometer. <laughs> the... Um... The speed limit threw me, uh, you know, as I was watching this time, because, again, my reaction was, that's not that fast. Because, uh, you know, in most places now, the speed limit is 75. Um, and I've done the drive from Colorado to Chicago many times because I have family still back in the Chicago area. And I, I remember it was always be a, a, a nuisance because in Colorado, it's 75. In Nebraska, it's 75. In Iowa, it would go down to um, 70 and then you hit Illinois and it was 65. Not anymore. Up until, no, not anymore. They're at 70 now, I think. Yes. But mm -hmm. for years it was 65 was the highest in Illinois. And it was just so annoying to have been going across all those other States, uh, you know, at 75 and then to have to go down to 65 in my original home state of Illinois Um but yeah, so but when this movie came out, I mean, definitely the speed limit would have been uh, 65. And then, I mean, as you get closer, to no, Chicago, it wasn't. Some places it wasn't. It wasn't even 65 yeah, at the so. time. So here, oh, was I, I, I did a little bit of research on speed limits. So first of all, when when well, I grew of up, of course you did. So, of course I did. So when when I grew up in the in the late 80s, I remember that most places were 55. And then I remember right. that sometime in the late 80s, early 90s. So Michigan changed it to 65. And I was I was so happy at that point because I was already driving and, you know, you can go 65. Doing the research now, I mean, I haven't been in the States in a while. I mean, I see that there are places that, that now have an 85 speed limit, 80, 75, 70, 65, 60. I mean, it depends on where you are in the States. They right. have different, different right. speed limits for the whole thing. But what's really, really interesting is, is that it, over the years, it's changed between whether the whether it's federal mandate as to what the speed limit is or whether it's a state by state thing. So at the beginning, okay, the they there were the states would allow different counties and municipalities to actually uh, change the the limits and lower them. Okay, and there are places right now which range from 25 miles per hour all the way to 85 miles per hour. And usually some places have places that, that limit how fast the truck can go. And sometimes there are places that have uh, night limits and other places that have minimal, minimum speed limits that you can't go a certain, right. you know, certain amount. So basically, you know, I'll quickly go through what, what we have here. So 70 miles an hour as of now is most places on the West Coast and the inland eastern states. 75 to 80 are the inland western states, along with Arkansas, Louisiana, Maine, and Michigan. 65 to 70 are, is the eastern seaboard, Atlanta, uh, Alaska, Connecticut, Delaware, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, uh, Puerto Rico, Rhode Island, Vermont, even though you can't drive directly to Puerto Rico. Uh, <laughs> and so some of those have uh, 65 miles per hour. Hawaii is the lowest with 60 miles per hour of the states. And then you have Washington, D.C., 
is has a limit of 55 miles per hour. That's because it's a city. So, yeah. And that, it could be. like, and, could be. and like, you still see it come down to 55 in some of the, you know, urban areas like that. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And then there, there are some places where you, for instance, north, <laughs> north of Bangor, Maine, you're allowed to drive 75 miles per hour. And there are, there's about 600 miles of freeways in Michigan, which you can also drive that fast. And then there are portions of Idaho, Montana, Nevada, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Texas, Utah, and Wyoming, which allow you to go 80 miles an hour. And the highest posted speed limit in the country is 85 miles per hour. And you can only find it on Texas State Highway 130, mm. which is a, yeah, I, a road that, that bypasses wide Austin. open spaces there where, you know, there's not not a lot of uh, reasons to stop. <laughs> yeah. So. After after the 1973 oil crisis, so Congress mandated that they had a national maximum speed law because they were trying to, to save on gas, and they forced every state to have 55 miles per hour, and that went all the way till 1987, when they actually, in April 97, so that's around the time that this movie was actually being mm -hmm. filmed, Congress passed the Surface Transportation and Uniform Relocation Assistance Act, which permitted states to raise the legal speed limit on rural interstates to 65 miles per hour. After they, they made this law, how many states do you think raised their speed limits to, to 65? Give a guess. Of the 50 states. Of the 50 states, 34. 41. Ooh. 41 states decided that they were going to change it. And obviously, you know, over the 35 years since then, all the states have decided to make different changes and stuff like that. Now, one of the things I found that was really interesting that Montana n didn't have a limit for daytime driving. They, they, they had nighttime driving set at 65 miles an hour between 1995 and 1999. And then they actually were taken to the Supreme Court of the state of Montana to try to get them to change it in order to give a speed limit during the day. And in the end, they came to a, a uh, settlement, I guess you can say, that they can do 75 miles per hour. And that, that's the way it's been since then. So yeah, it, it's, it's pretty interesting, the, the way that it is. Now, the, the biggest question I couldn't find this answer is, is did this raise the number of accidents or lower them? Some people say that the higher the speed limit, it actually lowers the number of accidents. I, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. I think that's why I like might... in the Autobahn in, in Germany, I think there's like no speed limit. And they say that there are, there are less accidents there because, you know, people know how to handle driving faster. I don't know. Mm. My gut tells me that's wishful thinking, but I don't know. I, I remember one time, I mean, speaking of this kind of drive, when I was driving with some guy from Chicago back to Denver, and he's someone that liked to drive fast. And I mean, I remember we drove from Chicago to Des Moines, and then we stopped for the night. And the next day, we left Des Moines at like seven in the morning, and he did all the driving. And we made it back to Denver by, I think it was about two o'clock in the afternoon, Denver time. That is, that's scarily unreal. Wow. I never want to go that fast again. <laughs> were, were you scared during the ride? Or were you I were was, sleeping? I was, I was, I, I reached a point where I was, I was, you know, looking at that front windshield and I was just going, I can't, I, I can't watch anymore. I'm just going to sit here and 
prey basically oh, wow. <laughs> <Yeah. Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> so then the uh the the state trooper says to to Dell, do you feel this vehicle is safe for highway travel and what type of question is that <laughs> <laughs> what does it matter what the driver thinks? You know, the, the, oh, good, good point. Yeah, the, the cop well, is going to decide whether it looks, you know. Well, it's funny when I was looking at this vehicle, I was thinking, boy, you know, this actually kind of reminds me of uh, some of the cars that uh, you know friends back in high school used to drive. They were in pretty beat up shape too. You know, they were um, burnt out like this. Well, not quite no. this. You know, I'm exaggerating, <laughs> of course, but you know, you, you, there's there's certainly aspects of it where you're you know, some pretty bad damage and they would still keep those things going. I, one thing I love about this moment is that they're, you know, the, the angle of the shot as we're looking over Michael McKeon's shoulder at, uh, at Della Neal in the car there. And I'm like, we're, we're, we're looking at Neil. We're only seeing him because the roof is burnt out, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. If, 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 if the shot would be a lot lower if we had to look through the window at him, but instead it's a high shot and, we get to see them both because there's no roof anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. And Dell's response is a very confident one. And he goes, yes, I do. Yes, I really do. I believe that. <laughs> Dell is I, in full salesman mode here. Completely. Basically. I know yeah. it's not pretty to look at, but it will get you where you want to go. <laughs> and then McKean says, now you got no outside mirror. And then that's actually where the minute gets cut off. You know, so we'll, we'll have to find out what well, this is tomorrow. You know, um, I think, I, I don't know how the law is now, but I think you only have to have a driver's side mirror. You don't have to have one on a passenger side, because I know for many years I had a Saturn, and it only had a driver's side mirror. It didn't have one on the passenger really? side. Yeah. Wait, because it got knocked yeah. off, or that's the, that's no, the model? No, that's the way the car, I had the model of the car that had no uh, bells and whistles. You know, Did someone so, else have uh, the other the other side of the car, and they had they they had you know a mirror <laughs> on the left hand side and didn't have one on the right hand no, side? No. Either, find find your match. But you, you know, find your Saturn of, match. Yeah. Speaking of the laws, though, I mean, one thing that you didn't mention we talked about speed limit law and uh, and mirrors and whatnot, but the one thing that's the most obvious that the the cop does not mention that he could have you know hauled them in for. Well, there's no seat belts. They're burnt out. And I looked this one up. The seat belt law in Illinois went into effect in 1985, two years before this. Yes. So uh, he totally could have could have ticketed them for the seat belts. Are, are they in Illinois? Yes. When you were um, talking about the uniform uh, and you zeroed in on the sergeant stripes and whatever, I tried to look and, and go, okay, can you tell what state? And I'm pretty sure on one of the patches on his uniform, you can see the uh, design, the outline of the state of Illinois. So I'm pretty sure they're in Illinois. But well, I, I, I gotta, I gotta burst your bubble here, Todd. You, you, you didn't see the outline properly, but we'll, oh. we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I okay. think, I think we'll talk uh, about that tomorrow, but, but, you know, you'll, you'll have to wait until tomorrow, just like everyone else, to find out <laughs> where they really are. I'll, I'll give you a hint. They're not in Illinois. <laughs> They're not in well, Illinois they, anymore. <laughs> apparently, they, they aren't, and they are, because that'll come up tomorrow as well, yes. I think. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So, every day, you have anything else for, the, for this minute before I get into the script? I don't think so. Right. So, I mean, obviously, because they filmed three hours and 45 minutes of this movie, so I have a copy of the full script, and there are a lot of discrepancies. So 
you know, every day we talk about the little discrepancies between the the final shooting script and the the final edited version of the movie, which we, you know, the nice nicely tight ninety three minute version of this, which is great. So, um, the script. First of all, during the conversation between Dell and the cop, so the cop actually asks him, "What kind of car are you driving?" And Dell responds that it's a 1986 Turbo Grand Detroit town car, which you can actually see that that is what's written on there. It's first of all, it's not a town car. It's it, it it's a town and country. It's a they call it a Turbo Grand Detroit town, town and country. But it's sorry, the the real car that is based on is a town and country. But the car that they use, uh, the car that's named in the movie, is a Turbo Grand Detroit farming country car. You know, town and country, farming country, similar, similar, right? And another discrepancy is is that in the original script, they were not going 78, they were going 98, which says a lot what, more, yeah. especially in 1987, based on what we just talked about, that the speed limit was 55, I remember. As as a teenager, being told that you know you're allowed to go a certain amount over the limit that the cops won't you know stop you <laughs> for, so you you knew how to figure that out. But going 43 miles above the speed limit isn't gonna isn't gonna do it. That ain't gonna fly. Yep. No. Yeah. And and the only other discrepancy between the script and this particular scene is he actually says that you have no inside mirror instead of outside mirror. Which might have just been a little, you know, flub by right. uh, John right. Hughes along the way. So a few little discrepancies. We'll we'll get to some some large longer ones later later in the next few days. Every Wednesday we have a segment called Hughes Hump Day where my guests will give their top five John Hughes movies. So take it away, Todd. Go with start with number five and work your way up. Okay. Well, this is hard, by the way, I will say, because John Hughes movies were required viewing being a youth in the 80s in, yeah. uh, in Chicago because, you know, all his movies center on Chicago. So um, number five, I would go 16 Candles, which okay. is from my favorite movie year, 1984. Uh, number four would be Uncle Buck. Number three is going to be Weird Science, which I just think is so delightfully wacky um number two is this movie planes trains and automobiles and my number one would be ferris bueller's day off quintessential chicago movie yes i'm actually surprised that you don't have breakfast club on there well see here's the thing you know i, I would recognize the breakfast club as probably a better movie than some of the ones i named um but i'm going with my favorites okay and no, that, um that's yeah fair. breakfast club is i think a excellent film but it's not one that I've returned to as much as these other ones, because some parts of it are a little hard to watch. So okay. that, that is definitely fair. OK. And every day we have another segment called Off the Beaten Track, where either myself or my guest will give a little story about an adventure, misadventure that one of us have had over the course of the journey of life. So, Todd, you got a story for us? So I think I'll start with my most dramatic travel story that I've ever had. I used to travel a lot for work. And um, the only time I ever had a trip that was overseas was in 2001. I went to Singapore um, and actually was in Singapore for most of the time. And then we took a little side trip to 
uh, Indonesia for some stuff and then came back over to Singapore to fly home. So um, the uh, the day that I flew home from Singapore and I was with two work associates um, was September 11th, 2001. Ooh, wow. So we left Singapore and flew, I think it was about five hours to Hong Kong. And then we changed airplanes and such and then went for the next leg of the journey, which I think was about 14 hours, Hong Kong to San Francisco. So we're getting towards the end of that long flight and I'm tired. I wasn't feeling very well the whole time I ate something in Indonesia that didn't totally agree with me. And I was still kind of getting over that, um, you know, the I was in the bulkhead seat, so it wasn't terribly comfortable. I didn't have room to stretch my legs. And like the in-flight movie was Shrek, which I had already seen like four times on other flights. Like every flight I was on was sh showed Shrek. So it's like <laughs> Shrek is always tainted for me because I saw it on flights way too often. So anyway, we're we're coming in finally for landing in, in San Francisco, um, or at least what we thought was San Francisco. And there's going to be another leg of the trip here still. We're going to go to Denver. But anyway, we're we're coming in for a landing. And my associate who's sitting across the aisle from me leans over. He says, hey, these two guys sitting next to me, they, they say this doesn't look like San Francisco. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He says, they think we're landing in Vancouver. And I was like, huh, okay. And so we land the plane. And then the pilot gets on the thing and says, well, folks, some of you probably have noticed that um, we are not in San Francisco. Welcome to Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, we had to land here because all U.S. airspace is closed. And uh, we'll we'll let you know more in a little bit. As like, what, what, what time? What time was this? This uh, in Vancouver would have been, I think, sometime around 10, 1030 in the morning. Oh, wow. So, so this is already like three, four hours after everything happened. This is already okay. a few hours after. Of course, we have no clue at right. this point what's going on. You know, they say they say all U.S. airspace is closed. And we're like, what the heck does that mean? And then a few minutes later, the pilot gets on the horn again and is like, so, again, we've landed in uh, Vancouver. Be all U.S. airspace is closed due to terrorist activity. And we're like, well. Okay, well, what does that mean? And he says, we're going to put on the uh, uh, the local radio stations and the, uh, you know, the the headphone jacks and you guys can, um, you know, listen to things there and all that. And, um, you know, we all kind of, of course, plug in. And then we start to hear what's going on in New York and Washington and Pennsylvania. And we're just like, oh, my gosh, this is this is crazy. Um we didn't have our cell phones. We didn't bring them with because they wouldn't have worked where we were going in right. Singapore. So we, you know, we didn't have any way to communicate with our, our family or our office or anything like that. We sat on the plane for about two, two and a half hours more. Uh, and eventually they let us off. They checked all of our baggage as we got off, you know, inspected everything. Um, and so me and this other guy, we were now in the Vancouver airport wandering around. Now, we we had another associate with us. He was sitting in another part of the plane because he's a like a he, he had 5K status on United Airlines. So he was in <laughs> you know more like first class or whatever. 
So we had no idea where he was. So we're just now in the terminal at Vancouver, wandering around. There's tons of people. Most of them can't speak English because they're coming in from other Asian countries and don't know, uh, you know, where they're going. We're uh, some of the few Americans that were on our flight. And so we're like, well, we don't know if we're going to find our other buddy here. What are we going to do? And he says, well, there's a there's a guy that works for United Airlines. Let's go talk to him real quick. So we go and talk to this guy and he's he's like, all right, you guys are Americans, right? We're like, yeah. He's like, all right, we're trying to get the Americans back to the U.S. So let's go upstairs where the ticket counters are. You're going to find a, there's going to be some guys there. They're not there yet. We're just getting them out there. They're going to be they're going to have a sign up sheet. They're going to put you get you signed up, put you on a bus, take you down to Seattle. So we're like, all right. So we go upstairs and I can remember as we're going upstairs, they have video monitors, you know, like the ones that show CNN in the airport mm -hmm. they're on. This is where we're first starting to see images of the of the Twin Towers coming right. down and things like that. And um, we find the guy that's taking the sign up people. He's standing right by the doorway. So like he's going to put you on a list and then you walk through the doorway out to the curb where they normally do the curbside check in and the buses are going to pull up there and take us down to Seattle. So we get our names on the list. And I said to the guy, can I go back inside the airport? Because we're still trying to find one of our people. And he's like, well, you could. But if the bus comes and you're not here, then, you know, that's the way it goes. Like, all right. All right. So I start to walk out. My other friend is getting his name on the list. I look over his shoulder. And just then I see our third friend walk by behind him. And I'm like, flag him down. And he's like, come on. Come on over here. We're going to Seattle. And so we all get on the bus few hours down, you know, to get to Seattle, they put us up in a hotel there. Um, I remember, like I said, our, our one friend, he had premier status on, on United Airlines. So he, you know, was able to get us booked on a flight the next day um, because he could get anything. Um, but then, you know, as we wake up the next morning, it became clear there weren't going to be any flights going out. And so uh, this the other guy I was with, he got on the phone, called up couple rental car companies uh, managed to get one that would do us a one way back to Denver. We, we went back to the airport, rented the car and then spent the next two days driving from Seattle back to Denver, wearing the same clothes that we had already been wearing since we left Singapore, uh, you know, a day and a half, if you do the time change earlier. Wow. So um, that is probably my craziest travel story of all of them. Seriously? So, wow. Well, I got to say, this is, you know, we've, we've done 78 of these already, or 77, this is the 78th. This is the first 9-11 story. So, uh, you know, um, thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm sure that was not a, a simple time for you, but uh, it's a great story. So thank you very much for that. All right. So you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you, Todd? Well, sure. Yeah. My blog is called Forgotten Films. It's at ForgottenFilmCast.wordpress.com. Uh, over there, you also find links to my podcast, which is called The Forgotten Filmcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Forgotten Films. That's films with a Z. All right. And as for me, very simple to find me. You just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. And you can find my website. So, Todd, do you feel like coming back again tomorrow? Absolutely. All right. <laughs> Great. So we'll see you tomorrow. And until then, you're fine. <laughs>